Hello, this is Nigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 30th of January. India reported a little over 13,000 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. More than 1.07 crore or 10.7 million people in the country have been infected. However, out of these, 10.4 million have recovered. The total COVID death toll surpassed 1,53,000 with more than 130 fresh fatalities reported in the last 24 hours. The health ministry said meanwhile that more than 35 lakh people have been administered the COVID-19 vaccine so far. It added that India was the fastest country to reach 30 lakh vaccinations in 13 days, taking the lead over United States, Israel and the United Kingdom. The centre yesterday directed the states to begin vaccinating frontline workers from next week onwards. The government said that enough vaccines were available to inoculate health and frontline workers at the same time. The situation at the farmers' protest sites on the borders of Delhi has been tense after incidents of violence took place at the Republic Day tractor rally. For the first time since the farmers' sit-in began at the Singhu border on November 26, 2020, violence broke out at the protest site yesterday. The Delhi police arrested 44 people in connection with the violence. A man who attacked a policeman with a sword was among those arrested. The clashes yesterday began when a group of around 200 people claiming to be local residents stormed into the farmers' protest site despite heavy security. The group was seen stone-pelting and damaging tents of the farmers. The police were accused of alleged inaction at first, but later they fired tear gas shells and baton charged the crowd. Many people, including Delhi Police's station house officer of Alipur, Pradeep Paliwal, were injured in the clashes. People who barged into the protest site demanded that the farmers vacate the area. Farmers alleged that the people were not local residents but hired goons. The fact-checking website Alt News, meanwhile, identified Bharti Janta Party supporters among the mob. One of the people identified was Aman Dabas. Dabas is married to BJP's municipal councillor Anju Kumar. More support poured in for the farmers' agitation, meanwhile, as advocates from Mansa Bar Association announced today that they are going on a day-long hunger strike in solidarity with the farmers. In view of the tensions after the Republic Day tractor rally, the Haryana government suspended mobile internet and messaging services in 14 more districts in the state till 5pm today. Internet services had already been suspended in Sonipat, Jhajar and Palwal districts on Tuesday. The restrictions in these districts will also remain in place till today evening. Only voice calls will be allowed in 17 of the state's 22 districts. The Union Ministry of Home Affairs, meanwhile, also announced today that internet services in Singhu, Ghazipur, Tikri border areas and nearby places will be suspended till 11pm on Sunday. The government claimed that it was necessary in order to maintain public safety and to avert a public emergency. Police security has been ramped up at Ghazipur border on the Uttar Pradesh side. The additional director general of UP police said that this was done to prevent miscreants from causing trouble during the ongoing farmers' agitation. Just as the crowd of protesters at the Ghazipur border seemed to be thinning after Thursday, more protesters poured in from Uttar Pradesh and Haryana to keep the momentum going. On Thursday, farmers protesting at Ghazipur were given an ultimatum to vacate the site by midnight. Union Minister Smriti Irani accused Congress leader Rahul Gandhi of declaring war on the people of the country yesterday. Her comment was in response to Gandhi's warning that the protests against the farming laws would spread if the government does not find a solution to the crisis. Meanwhile, Canadian politician Jagmeet Singh today condemned the violence that broke out in Delhi on Republic Day and called on the country's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to intervene. 
He tweeted, and I quote, Those calling to harm farmers must be held accountable and the right to peaceful protest must be protected. I am calling on Justin Trudeau to condemn the violence immediately. Unquote. Dear listeners, it is worth wondering why a protest that has been peaceful for two whole months and become a hub of cultural activities suddenly descended into violence two days after the events of the tractor rally. How local residents who were earlier in Bonhomie with the farmers suddenly turned against them? After yesterday's violence at Singhu, my colleague Nidhi reached the protest site to get the farmer's account of the incident. Besides how the events of yesterday unfolded, Nidhi also spoke to farmers about claims that several protesters were heading home in view of the events from this week. Farmers rubbished those claims and said that the protest was going on as usual. To read the complete report, head over to newslaundry.com. It is titled, Government Wants to Create Chaos. Singhu is somber after Republic Day violence. Yesterday, the Madhya Pradesh police filed an FIR against six journalists and Congress MP Shashi Tharoor for misleading tweets on the violence during the Farmers' Tractor Rally on January 26. The six journalists named in the FIR are Rajdeep Sardesai, Vinod Jos, Mrinal Pandey, Anant Nath, Zafar Aga and Paresh Nath. The case against them was registered under various sections of the Indian Penal Code, including promoting enmity, engaging in acts that are prejudicial to the maintenance of harmony between religions, and making statements promoting hatred or ill will. According to the Press Trust of India, the FIR was registered in Bhopal following a complaint by one Sanjay Raghuvanshi, who alleged that their action led to a big threat to national security and caused danger to the lives of many people in Delhi and elsewhere. This comes a day after the Uttar Pradesh police filed a similar FIR against the same seven individuals for misreporting and spreading disharmony. The UP police's FIR was lodged under charges that included sedition and criminal conspiracy. The Editors Guild of India condemned the intimidating manner in which the police filed the FIR against prominent journalists and editors. The Guild demanded that the FIR be withdrawn immediately and the media be allowed to report without fear and with freedom. Today, three leading newspapers that included the Indian Express, Times of India and The Hindu in their editorials unanimously called out authorities for intimidating journalists. While the Indian Express called it a bizarre and troubling moment, The Hindu called the action a part of a now-familiar practice of weaving a narrative of an imagined threat to national security. Talking of Uttar Pradesh, there seems to be an intensifying clampdown against journalists who are critical of the state government, even during the lockdown. Take, for example, scroll journalist Supriya Sharma, who was charged under the stringent SCST Act for reporting on the lockdown-induced suffering of people who live in a village adopted by the Prime Minister in Varanasi. Before that, we heard of Prashant Kanodia, a journalist, being arrested in 2019 for supposedly defaming the Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath in a tweet. We at News Laundry have reported on several such cases. But the problem, however, is that while such action against better-known journalists rarely goes unnoticed, the plight of local journalists who have been suffering at the hands of the Uttar Pradesh's BJP government has gone largely unreported. Freelancers and reporters with local media organizations have been booked, served notices and questioned for doing stories that show Uttar Pradesh government in an unflattering light. To find out more about what is going on, please go to newslaundry.com and read the report titled Missing from Headlines, How the Adityanath Regime is Going After Local Journalists. In case you're thinking India is doing much better than many other countries in the world, let me remind you that our country slipped down two points on the World Press Freedom Index last year to score 142 out of 180. So dear listeners, as citizens, it is time for you to step in to execute your duties and your rights. 
Support independent media organizations. Support people who tell you the truth because telling the truth, as you can see, is an expensive affair. And this is exactly why News Laundry was born. We are an independent media organization that is 100% free of ads. We realize that as long as there are advertisers and sponsors in the middle, the media cannot be truly free. So subscribe to us and subscribe to other independent media outlets. The best way to show that you care is by helping small organizations like ours survive in this world dominated by legacy media. So go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. The Supreme Court said yesterday that criticism of courts is growing and that everybody is doing it. The Apex Court said this while giving a period of three weeks to cartoonist Rajita Taneja to file her reply on a plea seeking contempt action against her for her tweets about the judiciary. Taneja's counsel Mukul Rohadgi told the Supreme Court bench that criticism of courts can never be contempt. He added and I quote, the foundation of the court is much stronger, unquote. He also pointed out that the cartoonist is just a 25-year-old. In response, the bench said and I quote, we agree with you, but it is growing and everybody is doing it, unquote. Advocate Rohadgi added further and I quote again, there is a public perception why the Supreme Court has taken up the case of a journalist on vacation, unquote. The senior advocate was referring to the court hearing on Republic TV editor-in-chief Arnab Goswami's plea during the Diwali vacations. The bench asked Rohadgi that if he wanted to file a reply to the petition, he could do it, otherwise the court will go ahead with the contempt proceedings. On 1st of December last year, Attorney General K.K. Venugopal had granted consent to a law student to initiate the contempt of court proceedings. Venugopal had said that Taneja's tweets were an audacious assault and insult to the institution. He added that they were a clear implication that the Supreme Court was being biased towards the governing Bharatiya Janata Party. Taneja, the founder of a digital comic series called Sanitary Panels, had made cartoons about Arnab Goswami's urgent hearing and had criticized the court for granting interim relief to the television anchor. A recent charter laid down by the Ministry of Home Affairs has increased oversight on funds received by NGOs or non-governmental organizations. The Hindu reported that as per the charter, donations received in Indian rupees by NGOs from any foreign source, even if that source is located in India at the time of such a donation, should be treated as foreign contribution. As per the existing rules, all banks have to report to the central government within 48 hours when a non-governmental organization, association or person receives or utilizes any foreign contribution. This has to be done regardless of whether they are registered or have prior permission under the FCRA or Foreign Contribution Regulation Act of 2010. In September last year, the FCRA was amended by the parliament and a new provision was added. The provision made it mandatory for all NGOs to receive foreign funds in a designated bank account at the State Bank of India's New Delhi branch. Under the amended act, all NGOs seeking foreign donations have to open a designated FCRA account at the SBI branch by 31st of March 2021. According to a report in The Hindu from last year, the licenses of 13 NGOs had been suspended under the FCRA. Their FCRA certificates were suspended and their bank accounts were frozen. Dear listeners, the FCRA amendment issued last year dealt a blow to the country's NGOs at a time when many of them were at the forefront of providing social services to citizens amid the pandemic. NGOs have a long history of providing and enabling access to social services for those in need. During the COVID lockdown, which caused a large-scale humanitarian crisis, it was NGOs that came to the rescue by providing relief to migrant workers. By amending the FCRA, is the Narendra Modi government trying to change the way NGOs function? 
How will this change affect NGOs? Will it take the government's war on NGOs to the next level? In his thorough explainer video on newslaundry.com, my colleague Meghnath answers all these questions related to the FCRA. It is titled, Explained. What is the amendment to the FCRA and how will it affect NGOs? And now for some international COVID updates. Coronavirus has infected over 102 million people around the world, out of which more than 2 million have died. The World Health Organization is urging its member states to stop COVID vaccinations after their health workers and vulnerable groups have been inoculated to ensure a fair vaccine rollout around the world. WHO spokesperson Margaret Harris told the BBC, and I quote, We're asking countries, once you've got those groups, please ensure that the supply you've got access to is provided for others. While that is morally clearly the right thing to do, it is also economically the right thing to do. American biotech firm Novavax announced that its new COVID-19 vaccine was 89% effective and appeared to offer protection against some variants of the coronavirus in a clinical trial conducted in the United Kingdom. Based on a result from a phase 3 trial conducted in the UK, the vaccine was found to be 95.6% effective against the original coronavirus and 85.6% effective against the variant first detected in the UK. However, the vaccine appeared to be less effective against a variant first identified in South Africa. The vaccine showed 60% efficacy among those without HIV in a separate phase 2B study conducted in that country. In England, more than 1,000 people have died of coronavirus on average each day in January, making it the deadliest month of the pandemic so far. The news came as the United Kingdom marked the first anniversary of its first coronavirus death today. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.